You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be joined by Josh Dalkey from HuntStand. Now, uh, I know a lot of you guys, when it comes to hunting strategy, scouting for upcoming hunts and whatnot, most of us have some type of app or use uh, Google Earth or Onyx or HuntStand as a, a hunting app, so to speak. And today we're going to be talking with Josh about the birth of HuntStand, the evolution of HuntStand. We talk about how to use HuntStand. We talk a whole bunch about um, how this product and others like it are a catalog of data collection. And what I mean by that is when properly used, you can take all these data points and save them to a map and save pictures and save uh, you know historical you know historic sightings and rubs and scrapes and all this information so it's like a uh, a journal throughout the years and the more data that you collect on this map the more you'll be able to forecast deer movement or or game movement and say hey man over the years i've seen good movement here and i've know i know that uh, in this scenario in this wind direction i have trail camera pictures and you add it all up and you're able to use that information to forecast uh, the best time to get out into the woods and hopefully uh, you know, connect on uh, a target buck or just game in general. So uh, we're going to be talking about Josh, uh, you know, talking to Josh about HuntStand and how, uh, you know, all the, the functionality, the benefits and the future of this app. Now, uh, before we get started, we're going to do uh, some real quick commercials. Uh, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, and that's LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. Uh, tons of great products, right? I've been using the four sticks and an assault hang-on for like 13 years now, and if not longer. It is my go-to run-and-gun set. Absolutely love the the product, love that it's made in America, love that it's quiet to tear down and set up and uh, allow you to just be mobile. So if you want to find out more information about Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, visit lonewolfhuntingproducts.com next we have the average conservationist apparel and that is theaverageconservationist.com and I'll, I'll tell you this man when a company 
right out of the gate before they even sell any products says to themselves, you know what? I'm going to give 10% of all of my profits to some form of conservation effort. That's a, that's a company that not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. And that is exactly what uh, the average conservationist does after, uh, you know, after they make their money, before they, you know, take any deductions, they give 10% of their profit to uh, a local or a national or a state-wide uh, conservation effort, period, right? Now, on top of that, they have some kick-ass apparel, right? They have, they have t-shirts, hats, hoodies, one of my favorite uh, t-shirts that I've been wearing a lot lately, a lot lately is the Euro tee. Um, I love the compass hoodie and the general hat. Those are my, that's like my go-to date night, I guess you want to say, uh, date night outfit. But then they also have some other hats and t-shirts and sweatshirts that you guys should take a look at. Really cool logos, really awesome lifestyle and apparel brand. Um, so check out theaverageconservationist.com. And the last partner of this podcast is actually Hunt Stand. And uh, it's a shame I didn't get these guys on earlier, but uh, finally we got them on. And you're going to hear a lot about the company and the product and the, the functionality and the benefits in today's episode. So if you want to find out more information about Hunt Stand after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and visit huntstand.com. All right, we've ran through the commercials. You know what this episode is going to be about. And I, even if you have this, uh, this app on your phone already, there's some breaking news in this episode that they haven't even shared, you know, shared yet. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, I think we're good to go. Let's get into today's episode with HuntStand. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Josh Dalkey of Hunt Stand. Josh, what's up, man? How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Just uh, trying to get through this Friday so I can start doing something related to hunting. Right, that's a fact, man. I uh, I feel like I'm ready, and what I mean by that is maybe maybe my gear's not ready. Maybe my uh, hunt hunt hunting strategy isn't like really thought out right now. Maybe uh, I need to shoot my bow a little bit more. But me as a human being, <laughs> I am ready to start hunting. Uh, so I'm I'm in the same boat, man. With with the way that everything has been during the past year and uh, product availability and that sort of stuff, it almost seems like gear is has become one of the last things on the list, not by choice, but just because oh, it's yeah. hard to get stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to this year, uh, as far as not only manufacturers, but people who are waiting on product specifically like bows, right? Like, Hey man, I ordered a bow eight weeks ago. It's still not in, you know? And then you talk to the manufacturers and they're like, man, we're selling out of everything. Material is kind of hard to come by. And then, you know, we hear the news of the labor force is small right now and everybody's looking for, you know, to hire people. And uh, it's just, uh, it's absolutely nuts out there. But I think people are really starting to, uh, I, I hope I hope what doesn't happen is people don't start getting pissed. You know, like if it was me, I, it's uh, <laughs> it's like six weeks till my first hunt. Like I'm going mid September somewhere, and uh, if I don't have all my products in by then, I'm going to start getting antsy and a little frustrated. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, I'm down to the wire on a couple of things for some hunts myself, and I actually just got off a phone call a little while ago before we started this podcast with a particular manufacturer who I work with, and they're in the same boat as a lot of others, whether it's material shortages or, on this case, the shipping issues. I mean, they yeah. got untold amount of gear sitting in containers on the west and east coasts and they simply cannot get it because it's buried among other containers so they're having to pay a premium to get access to their products and it's it's at such a high ransom that the cost is so high that they would not be able to make any money at the end of the day if they had them go you know bring them bring them up to the top of the line and get their product out of there so it's a mess yeah, that's crazy. I, and I bet as a manufacturer, that's uh, that's frustrating. Yeah, it's it's immensely frustrating. And, and 
for that matter, companies are having to redo their entire fall marketing plans based around whether they even have products to sell yeah. available to that they that they're planning on marketing. So yeah. it's a really strange dynamic up and down for consumers and manufacturers and retailers and distributors and et cetera. But one thing I can say is that in this case, we are blessed in the technology side because we're really not limited to physical materials. If anything, it's it's labor. And with something like HuntStand, uh, an app or you know a technology product, the only real issues you, you, you could run into would be with the labor shortage because it, it really seems in every category um, – employees do have the upper hand right now. Yeah. There's just not enough people for all the work that needs to be done. So yeah. we've been fortunate that we built a solid team and we have enough of an infrastructure in place to continue delivering and building. And we're not, our, our app isn't sitting in a shipping container. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, and that was going to be my next question and, and you transitioned into that perfectly. Um, so, Coming out of, you know, we, we talk about the pandemic and every outdoor company I've talked to, every one of them has said that 2020 was an amazing year for, for them because we had this flush of people, this huge rush of people wanting to get outside, more people hunting, more people buying hunting license, fishing license, things like that. Uh, during the quote unquote pandemic, did you guys uh, have an increase in sales due to the same, the same thing? Yes, absolutely. And I, I echo your sentiments with everybody I've spoken to. It's across the board. Uh, any any outdoor-related category of gear saw a surge as far as I know, and, and we're, not, we're not alone in that. Or, I mean, we're not separate from that. We saw a massive increase in user activity with our existing users, and we acquired hundreds of thousands of new users who started using the HuntStand app during that time. So. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse, depending on what side you're on. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to uh, jump all the way back to the beginning and uh, kind of hear the birth of, of Hunt Stand. Um, when did when did Hunt Stand become an idea? When did it become an actual marketed product? And when was it available? When was like version 1.0 available for the public? So talk to us about the early years of Hunt Stand. Well, HuntStand was an idea driven by a gentleman who is still the the founder and active CEO, Lanford Holloway. Um, and this occurred approximately 11 or 12 years ago, and that was really the inception. And yeah. I can remember that time vividly in my career. At the time, I was working for a hunting magazine, and I was uh, a digital editor for, it was called North American Hunter at the time. And I remember when apps first came to market and how much they've changed since then for that matter. And so um, just like in a, in a lot of cases, the hunting industry was certainly not the first, not even among the first to dive into the mobile space. Yeah. But um, when it did happen, there were only a couple of players on the block at the time. And HuntStand was one of the, OGs of the hunting app world. I mean, um, you had Onyx out there who was still trying to transition out of their micro GPS chips or micro SD chips that were in GPSs. And then uh, Scout Look, which was also an app that existed for a long time, which ended up merging with HuntStand. Yep. And um, other than that, you just had like some game call apps and just basic utility apps that, that weren't really uh, mapping-based. And so the, the field was very limited at first. And then, of course, you had some manufacturers that tried delving with um, apps that were compatible with their hard goods. Like, uh, well, I don't even, I don't know about trail cameras at the time, but um, game calls would be a good example, like Bluetooth speakers with, um, you know, game calls you could run off your phone. But from a mapping perspective, hunt stand was one of the originals. And so that's been, like I said, 11 or 12 years now, back around that 2010 time frame. And uh, man, it has changed a lot in that time. Yeah. So um, like 
coming into the the conception format like why did mr holloway want to design an app did, did he have background in the the app space in the digital mapping space or was he a hunter that said man i wish i had everything in the palm of my hand <laughs> well nobody could tell that story better than him or, or more accurately for that matter but um as far as i know the the real genesis of it was um he worked on it in in college as a as basically um like a project like to like a proof of concept type of thing and he was a hunter at the time so um i think at the time there were just a handful of of bright minds in the hunting world that really were forward thinkers and he was certainly one of them and uh for that matter has has proven himself and proven his concept over the last decade and now 2021 here we are as far as we know we have more downloads and active users than any other mobile app in the hunting space so yeah he started this out of a it was it was partially related to his education but also um he was passionate about it and he was a hunter so he he saw a need and he figured out how to fill that need yeah i was talking to uh um, you know, here on the hunting gear podcast, we like to BS a lot. And I was talking uh, to a guy about products. It's like, Hey man, what would really suck if this product, I told you, you couldn't use it. You know, we joked around about boots, you know, if you couldn't, you had to wear tennis shoes or, you know, something stupid like that. Or if uh, you took away my, my tree stand, that would be difficult for me to adjust or, or trail cameras, right? I have to have a, a new strategy. And, and then I thought about it. I'm just like, I, you, I rely on digital scouting through apps um, and I have been for years now and knowing where I'm at at all times and being able to hang a tree stand somewhere and then mark it in the dark and then leave and then come back to that place that I'd never been to before in daylight and find it. And I, I thought for a second, I'm just like the impact of that is absolutely huge. You take that away from me and you have to have a whole different skill set to, to do what you continuously or what you have have been doing without this app or without any type of i mean even something like google earth or google uh maps right yeah it's the app world and and mapping technology have have come so far and become so critical that it's really unique the way that you just described it kind of hits the nail on the head like you can go buy a new pair of boots you can go buy a new bow you can go buy a new gun just about anything imaginable you can replace but the amount of data and knowledge and mapping capabilities that you invest yourself in when you start using an app like HuntStand um you know if you lost that it's it's a serious investment that you can't just buy back so we take that very seriously with with the way our technology is developed and how our information is stored in a safe manner in a secure manner so that it's not going to get pirated and and all that type of stuff because i mean (laughs) that that would actually be an interesting statistic for us to come up with how many hours um have been logged we, we know how many users, um, we, you know, we know like usage during peak periods and stuff, but it'd be cool to go back since our inception and figure out how many millions, undoubtedly millions of hours, maybe even billions of hours have been invested people by people using the app and saving map markers and outlining properties and putting in, um, you know, field observations and harvest data, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable and not, it's not replaceable. Yeah. Uh, the other day, and I mentioned this on the last podcast too, uh, uh, I was sitting in my bed and it was nine 45. I said, okay, I'm going to hop on hunt stand for about 15 minutes. And I'm just going to crew like all these, these, uh, public land pieces that I'm going to try to hunt this year. I'm just going to go on there for a little bit and then I'm going to go to bed. Well, I think it was like 1145. 
uh, the next time I looked at my watch and I was like, Oh, I went down the rabbit hole again. So <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where guys like me who, you know, we do, we, we overthink everything. We research everything when it comes to access routes and, and where to put tree stands and, and how terrain affects uh, animal movement that it's, uh, I can imagine, you know, you multiply guys like me by a couple thousand and there's, hundreds of thousands of hours throughout a year that uh that are getting logged on these digital mapping sites just just scrolling just scrolling through terrain you know what i mean that's hilarious that you said the way that you just said that because it's like you know how you got to limit children's like they get screen <laughs> time or whatever yes. <laughs> that's a fact oh man that's funny um <laughs> Yeah, I wish I had. I wish I would have had an alarm on. Okay, you've exceeded your hunt stand time by an hour and forty-five minutes. Time, you know, time to go to bed. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about, like, you guys have, you know, this app. It's more than just a map, right? Um, when you guys sit around the round table, uh, or when when you guys sat around in in the marketing meetings and saying, okay, here's version here's version one It's a map. Right, and it allows us to do things on this map. Um, what ideas do you guys come up with as far as what you think the end user would want, and how does that compare to what the end user comes back to you and says that they want as far as functionality? I'll tell you what, man. Our, you know, a lot of brands talk about authenticity and. You know, some of them, I would say, um, bastardize that term at times just uh, as a marketing play. But I can say with total sincerity that we are everything we do is based on authenticity because our team hunts and we really do listen to our user base. I know that sometimes, uh, you know, we might get feedback and people feel like it's just being lost, but every single piece of feedback that we get from our user base and from our internal team is considered and analyzed and filed in the most organized way that we possibly can because as you can imagine with so many users you know in that two million type of range the amount of um, requests that we get is astronomical so we have a whole team dedicated to just that making sure that all of that stuff is being captured and we're really taking a hard look at how we make our developments. And it, it's really hard. I mean, from an internal perspective, trying to take all that into consideration, you know, even uh, on a personal level, like there's certain features and, and developments that I'm extremely passionate about selfishly for my own needs that, uh, you know, they don't, they don't always make their way to the top of the list. We, we try to aggregate everything and come to a consensus on what is in the highest demand. And then we try to deliver on that as soon as we can. But at the same time, we're not big into rushing things out either. So we want to make sure that we get it right the first time because we know how important first impressions are. And for that matter, I mean, people are relying on us to provide a tool that is going to help them be successful. They can, they can shoot their gun, they can shoot their bow, they can hang their tree stands and all that, but deciding where to go and when to do it is is what we're trying to do to help people be successful. And it's, it's literally uh, oftentimes the first and final step in a hunt is relying on the features that we provide for somebody to, to go out there and get it done. So the shorter answer to your question is, we, we really do listen to every single piece of feedback, but if there's one thing I could get across to your listeners, it's that just please realize how complicated it is for us when we're getting so many different pieces of feedback from different touch points. Um, it would take a team of hundreds of engineers at minimum to be able to operate fast enough to, to respond to every single demand. So we really try to do the best job that we can to release features and update features and educate people on features that are 
at the top of the list and meaningful. And I mean, we analyze this stuff every day, every hour. And then as a team, um, we have a meeting every week where we talk about what's coming down the pipeline and, and how we're going to go about it. So the prioritization is, is uh, one of our biggest challenges, but we take it very seriously. Yeah. So when it comes to like the evolution of this app, right? Um, how has that changed from, let's say, uh, how long this company has been around for 11 years, you said? Yeah, uh, 11, 12, somewhere okay. in that time frame. All right. So let's just say one or two years into HuntStand, how has the goal of what this what this app, what this product does, and what, what functionality it can provide to its users, how has that changed in the, the last, let's say, five to eight years? Well, that's... That's kind of a complicated thing to answer, but in order, uh, I guess, to, to start with an answer, I can give you a, sort of the easiest common denominator there, and that is technological limitations. Um, you know, when we first started, and when any when, when any mobile app mapping style provider first started, you know, and, and ever since then, we've all been on a level playing field, and the way that you build the these systems out is heavily dependent upon um, third-party data and technologies. That's just the way that it works. Um, you know, to use an example, we just released monthly satellite imagery a week ago, a week or two ago, and that was that was based um, big time on a demand from our users who simply wanted to be able to look at areas at any any given time without tree cover. Well, here's the deal. When it comes to satellite imagery, there's only a couple sources where you can get reliable satellite imagery, or, or I, should, I should say aerial imagery. Of course, Google being the main one. And with Google, it doesn't matter who you are. You are at their mercy um, for what imagery they provide and what frequency they provide it at. So... We can't just go to Google and say, hey, we only want imagery in Minnesota during November when there's no there, there's no foliage so that yeah. people can see through the foliage. That's not an option. So we release this monthly satellite imagery so you're able to go back several years, month by month, and um, see how the landscape has changed, be able to view things without foliage, et cetera. However, the trade-off is... Um, it's lower resolution, and that's just because it's it's the best current available offering technology-wise. We were, as far as we know at least, the first consumer app to even release something like that. Uh, otherwise, the imagery that you get is it's it's whatever the, the satellite or uh, aerial imagery providers like Google give to you at their will. And the reason they're able to obtain such high-resolution imagery and a lot of people don't realize this is because the majority of it is actually taken from airplanes, not satellites. So the reason I, I went into that tangent is because you asked about the evolution of the app. And a lot of it has been dependent upon new tech, new emerging technologies, gotcha. in, including imagery. So um, it's not like HuntStand has a satellite in space taking pictures, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we were. We wish we had satellites and weather stations and all that stuff, but no, that's just not that's not how the world works. Right. Um, everybody in this space has to source their data, and there are only a handful of sources um, for some of the key components like like aerial imagery. So, um, a lot of our evolution has been dictated by that availability of technology, and then of course it's just continually reevaluating. All right we have this need, what technology is available to fulfill that need? And that evolves too, you know, like our monthly satellite imagery. Um, we might we might identify a, a better data source for that at some point. And if we do, then we'll, we'll pivot and adjust as we can and try to always make things improved and better. We're always looking for the next improvement, but um, even though technology seems to move so fast, when you're a hunter, 
and you want something that's going to help you with your, your digital scouting and, and help you be more successful and more efficient with your time, you want that right freaking now. Yeah. And sometimes it's just not, it's just not possible. Or even if it is possible, it's not economically feasible because these technologies, as you can imagine, just like any new technology, when it first comes out, it's extremely expensive. And then the cost goes down over time. So, you know, some of the stuff that might be cost prohibitive right now, i.e., you know, users would not never be willing to pay for how much it would cost to be able to provide it. Yeah. Well, in a year or two, it might be totally cost efficient, but it's just continually going through and vetting those sources and figuring out, you know, the best available information we can get. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you a really high level question and I'll let you take it kind of wherever you want to take it. But what does hunt stand do and this is the hunting gear podcast so we're gonna we're gonna keep it uh, the the boundaries around hunters but what what can hunt stand do for hunters so at its core it's all about the mapping and you know even if you're just hunting on one property whether it's uh your own private ground or a lease or a particular tract of public land um, you are going to be able to hunt more efficiently if you know if if you take notes. Just no different than when people used to keep old school journals or or logbooks. Um, you know, go out, going out and glassing a field one evening and writing in a notebook what deer you saw and, and what time it was and what was the moon phase and all that kind of stuff. Um, you're able to take all of that data that you're continually accumulating. And you're able to save it in a map-based platform that has all these other additional features that support the decisions that you have to make. So it just ends up saving you a lot of time and allows, allows you to be way more efficient than you would otherwise be able to. And that's, that's the biggest thing that we offer is, hey, people have busy lives. It doesn't matter uh, if, you're, if you're like us and you're you work hard and you're fortunate and blessed to work in the, the quote-unquote hunting industry, you, know, you might have a little bit more time than the average guy to go out and hunt, but no matter what, we all we all have to work at the end of the day and we have different obligations, whether it's family or whatever it is. And so every minute we have is valuable. You talk about laying in bed, um, <laughs> limiting your screen time on hunt stand. Well, you wouldn't have to limit your screen time if you just had an infinite amount of time to, to focus on hunting, but we all have our other obligations, so we just want to give people the best possible experience they can have outdoors and hunting with the amount of time that they have, and it it's scalable. So like I said before, it doesn't matter if you only hunt one property or you hunt 10 states all on public land in the course of one year. It's all about using every minute to your advantage, and that's that's what we really do for people at the end of the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now break it down into functionality, you know, um, and maybe talk a little bit about the functionality for a guy who's a running gun public land hunter, and then maybe the functionality for a guy who owns his own property. He pretty much sticks to just his his property and the functionality that uh, that you offer for guys like that. So breaking it down, um, you know, with hunt stand. The way that we have things organized, it's it's right now it's based on creating a hunt area. So if you're a guy who hunts and manages one property, for instance, and that's the that's the example I'll use, um, but it's it's universally applicable to no matter what style of hunting you do or how big of areas or or how many multiple areas. But let's just say it's one. All right. So I'll use my family's farm as an example. I go into hunt stand. I create a hunt area called the farm, which is just, that's what we call my family's farm, just the farm. It's always been called that. Um, once you have that hunt area created, then you can save all of your map objects related to that hunt area within it. So all your tree stands, your ground blinds, your deer observations, um, your harvest logs, your trail cameras, you can 
you can set up a stand reservation so that if you've got multiple people hunting a property, especially like more so down south where there's hunt clubs, um, it allows you to see where people are going to be hunting so that you're not, you know, stepping on each other while you're out there. So you go in, you map out your entire property, and then from there, it's taking all those data points that you add and all your scouting observations and figuring out where am I going to go sit tonight? In the case of a whitetail hunter, at least, where am I, where am I going to go sit tonight? That's going to put me in a full position to have an encounter, uh, ideally one that ends up with filling a tag. And then one, once you have those locations saved and those data points put in, you can use HuntStand to analyze and make that decision of where you're going to go. And that includes weather conditions and salooner conditions. So what's the moon phase? Uh, are the deer more likely to be moving during the day or in the evening? Uh, what's, what's the rain going to be looking like? And what's the wind direction going to be? Our hunt zone wind map is a visual depiction of where your scent is going to blow over a period of time. So that's a huge one. I go to the farm. I think I have an idea of what stand I want to hunt. I sit in my truck for a second before I head out there. I look at the wind map and I say, all right, I know these deer tend to travel in, in this direction. Uh, is this wind going to be conducive for my sit? And sometimes you got to make a game time decision. No matter how bad you want to sit a stand, if the wind ain't right, you're not going to go sit there. And you know, you might look at it the night before and the next thing you know, you get out there and it's changed. And so it's all about making those decisions, smart decisions on the fly to impact your whole strategy, both short term and long term. And so that's kind of the, the core strategy. But then you get into other features like, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't have cell service, we have offline mapping. So you can cache offline maps to the memory on your phone. And if you're out there without cell service, you can still use HuntStand to see your hunt area, to navigate, and ultimately be safer. Because uh, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but your phone's GPS operates independent of cell phone service. So you're still able to see your current location with the little blue dot on the screen, regardless of whether you have cell service or not. So when you save an offline map, for offline connectivity with us, um, you can still see the whole hunt area, all the objects that you've saved, you know, your stand locations, et cetera, and then you can you can still see your blue dot, which is operated off GPS. So that's really handy. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, another thing that we have not done a good enough job talking about that I think your listeners would be very interested in is our trail camera management. I mean. Anybody who runs trail cameras knows, especially over time, how much of a, a nightmare it can be keeping track of all your images. And, you know, everybody has their own system. Some, uh, some people just organize by folders on their computer or a hard drive or on Google Drive or whatever. Some people use software that's provided by their trail camera manufacturers. But then, you know, you get multiple brands of trail cameras, and then that, that doesn't all connect so you end up you end up uh, having images all over the place and maybe they become disorganized with our trail camera management you can mark all your trail camera locations on your on your map in your hunt area and then when you go out and pull cards or when you get your cell cam images sent to your phone you can drag all those images that you want to keep into your trail camera locations and hunt stand and you can tag them. So for instance, let's say you're trying to identify certain bucks that you want to kill. You can tag those individual bucks in those images. And over time, HuntStand actually has a predictive tool built into our trail camera management system that takes all the weather conditions, the salooner data, and all those environmental conditions based on the timestamps and date stamps that were come from your images and you can start to build out heat maps and activity patterns of individual animals that you've tagged. Okay. And it doesn't matter what, what cameras you're using, as long as you just drag in the images. I mean, yeah, you might get a thousand images, but only 20 or 50 of them are, are images that you want to keep. You know, if you get yeah. 
100 shots of the same buck standing in front of your camera, you know, odds are you're probably not going to want to keep all of them. You keep keep enough so you can get a few different angles of the, the antlers or whatever. But uh, that trail camera management feature is, is something that we need to do a better job educating people about. Is that done on a desktop or laptop, or can that be done through the app on the phone as well? So that is done through the desktop account in terms of actually bringing the images in there. And then um, like the, the full features with the, the heat mapping and the analysis of, of movement patterns and stuff. But you can still view the images in the app and it will still show the environmental conditions for each image. Um, so literally you just go to the map in your app, you tap on that trail camera and you can populate the, the list of all the images from that trail camera and it'll show you what the temperature, humidity, precipitation, salooner data, um, all those, all those kind of high level things that people pay attention to. And you can view that right in the app, but otherwise the more detailed analysis is on the desktop. Okay. All right. So, uh, but as far as the functionality of the, the mapping and all that stuff, um, the one question I had for you is when you do do, uh, you save an image or you, you, you've created a hunt area, right? In other brands that I've worked with in the past, or I shouldn't say worked with, uh, that I've had on my phone, you know, we get to a point where I want to zoom in. And if I had good Wi-Fi or if I had good uh, phone service, I'd be able to get in real real detailed into that image to look at, you know, specific trails even on, on the, on the imagery. Once I save it and I'm working offline, does the saved image, um, does that reduce the visibility of zooming in? Uh, uh, hopefully I'm making sense here, right? Do I lose any type of, uh, zoom power, uh, on, on that image once I save it to work offline with it? You're making total sense, and that's a that's a great question. Um, I think and I think probably one that a lot of people would have. Uh, so, with the offline maps, <clears throat> that becomes a a personal decision. So so you can maintain the highest resolution um, by zooming in when you save your offline map. But what you have to realize is. Um, the only way that offline maps can work is they have to save to the memory on your phone. So you need to make sure you have enough memory in your phone. And depending on the zoom level and the resolution level that you decide to save your offline maps at, um, it'll take it'll take up more or lesser space um, depending on what route you decide to go. And it'll actually show you when you when you pinch zoom in and out of the area that you want to save for an offline map, it'll tell you exactly how much memory it's going to take in your phone. So people need to be aware of that. Uh, and I don't know, a lot of people run, it's about 50, 50 Android to Apple devices these days. I personally run an Android and I'm not sure about Apple devices, but I know with my Android, I can add additional memory to my phone. And I have, Man, even with all the stuff I have on my phone, I've I've I don't have any issues running out of memory these days. Maybe like three years ago, I I would with older phones, but they're pretty hopped up nowadays. So yeah, um, and it's it's still not an astronomical amount of space that it takes up, even if you want to get the the higher resolution offline maps. But uh, just something to be to be cognizant of as you're saving them. You need to make sure you have enough memory on your phone. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about the functionality behind uh, behind HuntStand, right? But w- with anything, whether it is a coffee pot, a coffee machine, or uh, a vehicle, or uh, a video game, there's some kind of learning curve that's associated with it. Um, what would you say the learning curve is um, how to properly use HuntStand? And then where are there resources or tutorials that will help shorten that curve by me going and, and watching a YouTube video or watching, you know, uh, uh, reading an article on your guys's website? Man, that's another great question. And I, I really am happy you asked because, um, I think there's a, a great way to go about this. So if you look at 
the apps competitively in our space. We arguably do offer the biggest feature set and honestly for the for the least amount of cost for the end user. Yeah. Um, that's not just the pitch marketing. We're, we're $30 a year for our pro subscription, which includes property data for the entire United States and uh, all of our all of our pro features. It's thirty dollars a year for the whole country. Not that's just ridiculous, one. by the way. That's ridiculous, by the way. That's nuts. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It, it, for everything that you get, it's 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 actually insane. Yeah. But for somebody just coming into the app, the reason I I bring that up is because we do have a lot of features and that said don't don't come into the app and immediately get overwhelmed it's up to you what features you want to use now as a starting point the first thing you want to do just create a hunt area out of one of the areas that you hunt in and go in and just start dropping some map objects save your tree stands save your glassing points save your ground blinds um, save your trails. You can actually create uh, like lines on the map, or, or even boundary lines for that matter. Um, you can just you can mark up the map however you want. That's a great starting point, and it's super easy. And then just progress from there. So just basic mapping to start out, and then you can start to dig into dig into some of the more rich features once you become um, acclimated to just the overall like high level functionality. And it, it's one of those situations, just like anything in hunting, you do get what you give. I mean, yeah, we can, luck certainly plays a role in a lot of successful hunts, but the more you invest in this, it is going to pay off because it, a lot of what you would have, would have normally had to do um, on foot or in person honestly can be displaced by e-scouting or digital scouting to a certain degree. Now I'm not negating the fact that you do need to put boots on the ground. That is a critical component of scouting and being a successful hunter. But like if you, something like our 3d maps, which you can view on desktop or mobile, you can go in there and it's like you're flying a drone through a property. You can see how the terrain lays out. You can see how, where trails go, all that type of stuff that you can use to your advantage. And uh, it's just a matter of how far you want to take it. So don't think you need to come into the app and, and start using every feature. Just start with the basic mapping and then work your way up from there. And for for support on that, we have a ton of video content on the HuntStand YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash HuntStand. We've got detailed tutorial videos on there. And thanks to guys like you, and Sportsman's Nation and whatnot, we have so many partners that have written great articles and created videos and all sorts of content around this, um, just uh, just about using HuntStand strategically for different situations. So we offer resources, our partners offer resources, and then at the end of the day, if you have a, a personal question that can't be answered by some of that, just hit us up um, through our support channels and everybody gets responded to. Yeah. All right, so as a hunter yourself, uh, what are your, some of your favorite features uh, on HuntStand? How do you use the app personally? As soon as we put out the 3D mapping, I'm pretty addicted to that, man. I mean, even properties that I'm intimately familiar with, I'm, you probably do this too, but I'm one of those guys and hunters. Uh, I really... I'm kind of like addicted to visualizing my success. And so like I'll go into a spot to hunt and when I get there, like I will have an image and sometimes this can be to my detriment admittedly, but I will have an image of how, how things could play out. And I think part of the reason I like doing that is because it keeps me really motivated and it keeps me in the game and it keeps my head in the game psychologically. When you, when you go out, you need to believe that at any given moment something could happen. But if you just go out somewhere blind or you don't do your homework, you're going to get antsy and you're going to, you're going to start to step on your own tail and, and do some stupid stuff. So again, the more you put into it, 
before you're actually out there, the more you're going to get out of it. So like the 3D mapping, I'll just sit there and geek out like you're talking about. Um, and I don't, I don't really limit my screen time, but I'll lay there in bed and I'll surf through a property, whether it's a, a whitetail property or uh, the mountain I'm going to sheep hunt on later in August. And I'll just surf through that 3D map and I'll just envision my journey of how I'm going to get in there, what glassing points I'm going to use, you know, what stands I'm going to sit in. I'll, I'll try to think from the animal's perspective about how they might navigate that terrain because you can look at a flat map or you can even look at a, a 2D tilted version of a map, and it's pretty cool. But when you look at that 3D, man, it, it's it's super, super revealing, um, and, and you can just really get in the zone and try to figure out why animals might be doing certain things. Yeah. Yeah, that makes uh that makes a lot of sense. I I'll tell you that uh um the other day I went out and I hung a couple trail cameras and I hung a couple tree stands getting ready for the upcoming season, you know. And after everything, you know, I started it off with a blank map, right? No nothing there. But the cool thing about how how it all works, it's almost like a journal, right? And you can look back at this digital journal and you can say, "Okay, well, I have a camera here or I got a tree stand here, but the terrain says maybe I should have it here. And then you put your boots on the ground and it's just like, it's, it's a tool to help you refine your approach, whether that's access routes, whether that's stand locations, uh, anything like that. And, uh, I, I just look at it and I continue to look at it and look at it and look at it. And it helps me refine every move that I'm about to make. And through that, you have more encounters with game. I don't care what game you're going after, but you just have, you have more encounters because it's almost like a roadmap of what you should do. Uh, right. And then you, you adjust if it needs to be adjusted and, and you go from there. And I don't know, I think it's just, uh, in a way it's forecasting in itself, the, you know, not true forecasting, but you can look at it and you can go, all right, well, I got a Northwest wind tonight. Where should I go right here? I mean, cause you know, throughout the years of, of collecting this data on these maps, it's just, I don't know. It's instant information and, and forecasting in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, it hundred percent. It makes sense. And I can't tell you the number of times where I've had this, like I've had this idea in my head and I get excited about something. And then I open hunt stand and I start looking at the map and I start really looking at things. And I realized that my initial idea was probably pretty stupid. I mean, <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, you, back, it's, man. it's just, it's insane how much you can glean from looking at maps and yeah, it's, that is for me, that has taken years and years and years to like develop. And I, I still feel like I have a long ways to go. I mean, I, there's, there's some guys I listen to who like they're, they're at a whole new level of how they're able to utilize maps and I, I'm constantly learning, Yeah, but it, you, you can't just look at it like, well, I know where my tree stands are. Why would I need to put them on this app? That's not the right way to look at it yeah. because it it gives you, you – you need to see the big picture first, yeah. and then you need to hone in from there. Yeah. And uh, I will say one of the, the really cool things about this, this mapping is it's easy to become fixated on one property or one area that you might be hunting um, from more of a micro perspective. But let's just let's just say whitetails, you know. <laughs> Unless you're hunting on a, a really big place, they're going to be utilizing a lot of different properties in the surrounding area. So if you don't understand what's going on on your neighboring properties, you're really missing the boat. Even if you're just talking about like crop plantings, yeah. The first thing that you do after after crops are planted in an area that I deer hunt, one of the first things I'll do is I'll go drive around the section and see what everybody else has in. And that will be a great determining factor of kind of how I start my strategy. If I know that the dude, you know, if I'm on an 80 acre parcel and I know a guy two eighties down from that has the only beans in the neighborhood. Well, and he, and he's, and he's on, he, on the West side of my property um, 
there's a good chance that a lot of the deer that are sleeping on my place are going to be heading west in the in the in the evenings and coming back from the west going to the east back to my place uh in the mornings yeah. just that type of stuff like you gotta look at you gotta look at the big picture and not just your own property because those those animals don't know boundaries their their boundaries are what they want them to be exactly yep it, one of those uh you can't see the forest because of the trees type scenario and uh yeah. um you know knowing you know it's not like it's not like flat earth, right? People who believe in flat earth where everything just stops after a certain point, you know, you got to expand, you got to be aware and know that, you know, there is life outside of the properties that you can hunt. And if you learn and understand those, then you can use that information. And, and you know, I think what we can both agree on here is it's all about information and documentation and being able to put that information and that documentation into some form of decision-making that allows you to put yourself in the best possible spot to shoot whatever you're trying to chase. So that's, uh, I guess that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, for sure. It's every time that I don't, that I make an observation and I don't save a data point, I kick myself. Like I'm all, <laughs> I do a ton of cooking and, and write and sell a lot of like wild game recipes. And dude, if, if I could keep, if I could tell you how many times I've made a recipe and just been like, Oh, I'm going to remember what that is. And I don't write down what I did or the ingredients every time I'm, I'm starting over again. Cause I have no idea what the hell I did. Right. So it's, it's just like hunting. Like you gotta, I don't care how good of a brain you have or, or how good your memory is. You need to jot this stuff down and, and putting it in an app nowadays is really the only way to do it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a handful of minutes ago, you mentioned that uh, apps similar to HuntStand are kind of limited to the technology that's available to them and, and the resources as far as imagery that are uh, that are available for them to use. When it comes to the next level, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, whatever. Um, like how does hunt stand now evolve from what it is today into the next, the latest, greatest thing, maybe getting above a plateau, staying number one in the market as far as, uh, um, most downloads and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I wish I had some fancy answer, but I really just believe it's a matter of keeping our finger on the pulse. And the only way, like in our space, that you're going to be able to accomplish that is if you have hunters who are working for the cause. I mean, um, I'm not going to point fingers, but I know not everybody in our space, uh, not not every competitive product is, is really driven by hardcore hunters. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't be successful to a certain degree, but if you're talking about evolving and continually making improvements that are meaningful, you need to have people at the helms who are out there using it Absolutely. and not just using it in a, in a limited fashion. I mean, between, between the folks on our team, we're hunting extensively like all over the country. In fact, several of us are located in different parts of the country and it's not like we all just hunt whitetails down South or something like that, or yeah. we all just hunt elk out West. Like we're spread all over the country. We're hunting multiple species, sometimes even in different countries and we live for this stuff. So yeah. it's, it's really driven by our own, our own desires and then listening to our users. And, and most importantly, understanding what the hell our users are talking about when they're when they're requesting something yeah I mean, if you don't speak the language and, and talk the talk and walk the walk you're you aren't even going to understand what they're asking and so we do we we get it and we live it so i guess that's that's the way to answer that man we just we're in it every day yeah yeah makes a lot of sense all right so i do have to ask a kind of a technical question before we go and i think this uh um, this may limit people to 
jumping on board to a, a new let's just let's just use hunt stand for example uh, and i'll just be completely honest with and forward here um, i started off my digital mapping with onyx okay and i have years worth of little points all over all over the maps collecting data uh, and i know other people uh, who do as well and this goes vice versa is there a way that you can pull um points on a map uh you know like you drop a, a tree stand marker or you drop a waypoint or whatever it is out there on the landscape is there a way for those two things to communicate so if i want to say hey man i'm done with this i just want to be on hunt stand solely now is there a way to merge that data onto the new platform <laughs> dude people are gonna think that we were uh we were in cahoots framing up this type of stuff but uh everybody listening i can assure you that i i haven't even had a chance to talk to dan for months before this podcast so it's really funny that you bring that up dude oh no um, shit it's gonna happen it it, it happened oh it uh, happened it happened we we, we haven't actually formally announced it so by the time this podcast gets out it, it might be the the first public announcement of it but um you can actually do uh kml imports now so oh, shit. you can export your data points out of competitive systems and import them into HuntStand as of last week. You go into your hunt area settings, and there's a very simple process that you follow to export out of competitor X and import into HuntStand. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> like, I got some – I might be uh, – Say, okay, podcast is over, and then have you walk me through that. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome um, because I, yeah. I really do feel that's a game changer when it comes to, um, especially if it's just price. Let's say product A and product B offer, um, you know, let's say product B has a ton of additional functionality, um, different mapping, you know, uh, product A is more expensive, you know, it's a no brainer to go to the other one, especially if it's uh, a cheaper cost. But then again, no one wants to lose all that data that they've collected, especially if you go out West and, and you run into a scenario where, man, you found a honey hole on public land, but you know, I don't want to take the time to go, uh, you know, zoom in on this map and then zoom in on the next map. It's almost like you would need two phones to do that. So this right here is, uh, that's a big deal. That's all. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And I'm telling you, like I mentioned before, um, in terms of prioritizing, believe me, we've had this on our list for a long time, Yeah, a long time, but, uh, we just finally got around to it. I mean, we, we tried to, do some other th we tried to release some other new features and whatnot first that we felt were uh, more important to people but we've had so many people asking about this and in fact you might not even remember but you and i did a podcast about a year ago and you asked me that same question and i i had to just give you a kind of a tbd yeah. answer and uh no it's funny you bring that up because last week um it's it's still in the beta version but we've we've tested it I actually did a, a call last week with our mutual friend Tim Kent and one of our developers and uh, we walked through that and yeah, you just hunt area, go into the settings, import KML, baby. Bingo. Well, there you go. Well, uh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to go do that as soon as we get off the, off the phone here. So uh, Josh, man, I really appreciate you taking time uh, to, uh, out of your day to come and talk about hunt stand and whatnot. So um, if people want to find out more information or they want to, that download the app how do we get them to where they need to be huntstand.com and we actually just uh did a little bit of a facelift um within the past week so it's very easy to access everything there um see what it's all about to get the pro subscription it's definitely worth 29.99 a year i can assure you that and then uh be looking forward uh, i i hate to be that guy you know i I, I can't I can't talk about it, but I'm going to drop the teaser. Um, we've got a new feature coming out within the next two weeks that's going to be badass, and um, we're just we're just always evolving. So 
it's it's not going to be over for the year. We've got some really cool things coming down the pike. And uh, also, I encourage people to check out our entire media and content division that I'm in charge of. We take a lot of pride in that. We've got some great con- professional contributors from around the country, hardcore hunters who are serving up articles and videos and, and really good content. And we've got a constant flow of that. We just released our bow test, broadhead test, and crossbow broadhead test results all within the last two weeks. Those are extensive field tests that we do where we identify, uh, test and identify um, the best bows and broadheads um, in multiple categories. And you guys can go check that out. Otherwise, lots of other content on the site. So, yeah, man, thanks a lot for having us on. And uh, anything we can do at HuntStand to support your listeners, we're in with.